we apo- we apologize to uh, all potential listeners of this hot mess. We are new to podcasting and just very passionate about talking about things we enjoy. We just really like home stuff, okay? And we've been talking about doing this for a while, and I finally decided to uh, rip the metaphorical bungee cord. Zip cord? We jumped out of the plane. <laughs> we did, we, we did an acrobatic fucking pirouette into the world of podcasting. Yeah. No holes bars. We're, we're doing this. We're making it happen. Making it happen. <laughs> Howdy, Homestucks! Welcome to Positively Homestuck, a podcast based around the webcomic Homestuck by Andrew Hussey. Our idea behind this podcast is that, like, there's always been a lot of drama, and, like, Homestuck has a uh, reputation of venom within the fandom. And, uh, like the title says, we're just trying to bring some positivity back. Look, we like Homestuck, and we're gonna talk about Mm -hmm. it. That's it. That's really it. it. We really like Homestuck. Like, we may not be active contributors to the fandom, and uh, we may not know who anyone is in the fandom, but we really mm-hmm. like the comic. Yep. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're just going to have, yep. we're just going to chill and have fun and talk about Homestuck. And all, and all of its subsidiaries. And all of it. All of the, all of it. Howdy, I'm TK. I am a bard of mind. My favorite human is Little Hal. My favorite... I... Hmm? Okay. All right. I'll, I'll let you have it on the technical. Little Hal counts. He was a human for uh, the first 13 years, technically. You can argue this, yes. My favorite troll is Matuna and Karako. My favorite part of the original comic was the Alpha Troll minigame. And as far as, like, stuff I consume in the fandom, I do a lot, I read a lot of fanfiction. And I have, uh, gone down an extremely deep rabbit hole of the music and fan music of Homestuck. There's a lot to enjoy in both of those uh, areas. Hi, uh, I'm Bags. (laughs) Uh, pronouns they, him, honestly, whatever you want to call me. Uh, I'm not super picky about it. Air of Mind, uh, my favorite human is Roxy. Favorite trolls is, ooh, I really like them all, honestly. But uh, let's go with Terezi and or Nepeta. Um, or, if you had to choose one, who would it be? Uh, don't make me choose between the kids, man. Uh, how, how, how are you going to make me do this in the divorce? You choose one and the other one kills you. <laughs> Um, I choose Terezi, because Nepeta would kill me quickly. Terezi would make a whole affair of it. Yeah. <laughs> Terezi would drag it out intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part of comic... Um, I'm a big fan of the animations, Cascade and Collide. Uh, I'm just always a sucker for, like, big, cool, animated things with music. Um, so, as an easy... <laughs> easy sell point to me but a lot of the world building is also just very near and dear to my heart uh and how flexible it is and how it lets the fandom be super creative on their own um uh, as parts of like the actual fandom 
uh, I appreciate and was like interested in. It's like I'm kind of like a jack of all trades, master of none. I don't, I, I, which is typically how I interact with the internet and fandoms in general. Though if I had to pay, uh, pick a specific part of the fandom that I deep dived a little more into than other pieces would be like the theory crafting, the analysis, and a lot of the uh, fan creating things like OCs and fandom and all that jazz. And fan trolls and the uh, yeah, the like custom suburb games. Yeah, those were really fun. We'll have to AU's and shit like that. Man, we can go out on AU's all day. Talking about Homestuck, the comic, as kind of like a meta video game. It is about kids playing a video game, but the structure of the comic itself has video game elements. Is yeah. like a video game. I mean, it was intentionally done that way. Hussey yeah. says the first act of Half One, that is, all pages before this was like a tutorial for the reader player on how Homestuck works. The second half is a tutorial for the reader player on how Sburb works, and by extension, a little more of how Homestuck works, too. Uh, I've been yes. reading back through it with the author commentary, which mm-hmm. fucking highly recommend. <laughs> you learn so much more stuff. I love it. Well, I was going to say, I, I was going to ask if you recommended it and also ask a couple immediate questions because a lot of the thoughts that first came to my mind mm-hmm. when I was doing my reread was – so, like, the the format of the comics content generation mm-hmm. changed significantly as it became a bigger and bigger project. Mm-hmm. Uh and way back at the beginning, you could still feel that forum comic, choose your own adventure, people are suggesting things roots. It was planned to be a much shorter project like his previous works. Um, maybe his biggest one so far, but it was still going to be it's something he planned to be over with, done with, and on to his next MS Paint project. <laughs> Which was going to be my question. How much of this world was already in his mind? And because there's so many little seeds a lot of the beginning parts were forum user generated so like all of the I definitely all the kids names and all the troll names mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in Homestuck kind of synced up kind of serendipitously like a lot of it yeah. was like certain things were definitely planned for certain things had like loose plans like the bunny uh, yeah. loosely planned for stuff and kind of like set its own thing yeah, I figured the answer was something like that because cause I knew that originally it wasn't meant to be the big, huge mega project that it became. Right. And that there's a certain theme and ideas that were like germinating, and probably the idea of like, well, let's see how people react. Let's see how what directions I want to take it in. He seems like a very loose writer. Yeah. Especially especially when it's like a like it started out as a user generated. Hmm. Uh, suggestion-based comic like his previous ones. Right. Um, but then as it escalated and kept going and growing, there's there's that... They definitely seem like the sort who is very good at recognizing patterns. Mm-hmm. Clearly, based on all their, like, their solo content. Mm-hmm. And seeing the patterns that cropped up and being able to serendipitously take those and weave them into a greater meta-narrative in retrospect... Mm-hmm. It makes it feel like they were planted all along, whereas it was like, oh, I could do that with that thing that fits. By the way, the the first panel was posted on 4-13-2009 at 3.21 a.m. EDT. 
That's wild. <laughs> the the commentary for this was uh, Homestuck began on April thirteenth, i.e. four thirteen. My intent was to always make the start date a very significant number in the story recurring frequently. Consequently, I decided to make him 13 years old, thus making the story about four 13-year-old kids. There are more references to this number that can be mentioned casually, some of which are serendipitous. For example, playing cards, which have a good deal of relevance later, are compromised of four suits of 13 cards each. Oh, wow, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I had no idea something I was going to bring up about these first two acts during like this tutorial phase is that we have very non-linear storytelling happening in multiple points of the like the day that Esper starts for these kids we are going back and forth on that timeline so many times which is kind of preparing you for what some of the storytelling elements going forward are going to be. There's going to be a, non, a, a lot of non-linear storytelling done in this story, where we're going to get aspects of the far past and the far future and alternate futures, and they're all going to get weaved together in a crazy helix of bullshit that somehow still makes sense. Yeah. No, it's so funny because it, it starts out from, like, point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, start, like, doing the different points. Okay, we'll go to point C. Okay, we have to go back to point B and then go to point D, go mm. back to point A. And eventually, at the end of it, it's the Always Sunny meme with the guy standing in front with Charlie yeah, Day Pepe standing Sylvia, in front of the Pepe thing. Sylvia. Yeah. Yeah, at a certain point, the, uh, the, 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 not even just, like, the actual proper timeline of events but how they're presented to you if you're going to timeline those events starts looking like advanced algebra yeah using numbers and letters in a, in, a, in a pie chart in a graph despite that i never feel lost of where i'm at in the timeline yeah uh especially when they go back and they'll show you when they change characters they'll show you the exact same pester log so you know exactly where it was in that person's timeline. And then usually we'll get to see some additional information from that character's point of view until they reconvene with a scene that we've already seen, and we'll get like a note that says, you've already read this. Yeah, and it's great because you can go and like line up John, Rose, Dave, Jade, all of them, and like follow each of their timelines as the story goes. Hussey says, the characters are oft as new to the game constructs in the world around them as the reader player is. This is common logic in game tutorials where the character straddles postmodern awareness of the game mechanics on which they directly or indirectly seek to educate you, as well as themselves, strangely. When introducing all of the, the crux, Truder, talking about Grist, yeah. uh, the overlay... The tools in which you are going to use to progress yourself through the game and equip yourself, the resources that you need to perform and use those tools. Coding talk at the yeah. beginning throws a lot of Very people so. off, which yeah. is pretty fun. Not, not even typically relevant coding. It's like very old school, even for the time period. Like the punch card system, which yeah, we can probably just do a whole episode on the mechanics of Esperb. 
There's such it's there's such an interesting blend of low tech and high tech ideas. Yeah. Like oh like a regular ass C D video game that allows you to perform a host client uh server relationship with somebody that allows you to literally Sims edit their home. Mm-hmm. But also here's a punch card and a lathe reader. <laughs> right. I love the panel on page one thirty eight that just has the overlay panel of the S client where you can see what Rose is seeing and hover over yeah. the different icons, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, huge fan of that. By by Act 2, all of S-Burb is explained. Nana Egbert yeah. explains all of it. Um, At least everything that you would need to know as a player, to an extent. At least a player that's gotten out of the tutorial, where you're first introduced to the plot of the world... And the basic mechanics, yeah. And, you know, video games add mechanics as they progress. It's like, you know, the god tier and the dream self and all that jazz would mm -hmm. be considered added mechanics. Chitose, <laughs> doing a podcast. Don't yell at me. Hello, Chitose. Don't, don't yell at me. She, Stop yelling. She has opinions. She wants to talk about Homestuck. Let her speak. Chitose, you can be a guest when we talk about Nepeta. The only cat we've been introduced to at this point is dead. Is that what you want to talk about? You want to talk about dead cats? Jaspers. I thought you were to say Dave because he's a cool cat. <laughs> and, and, and has an affinity for dead things. Oh no. If you could trade your dad for John's dad, would you? Whew. <laughs> Well, that's a complicated question, TK. <laughs> I, have, I have complicated feelings about my family. Um, no, so do I. Uh, strong, maybe. Strong, maybe? Strong yeah, maybe. that's fair. Strong, maybe, for a strong dad. That boy lives. Yeah. Dad works out. Definitely. Dude could bench press a Buick. Absolutely love about Homestuck is that John has like nearly the perfect environment. Other than his dad's obsession with Betty Crocker and Harlequins and, you know, kind of like a playful banter. Constantly supporting his son. Like just always looking out for him. Like you can tell that, especially with compared to the other kids, John has like a great home life. Yeah, very stable. Even if he doesn't even realize that, even while he's being exposed to his friends' more chaotic and uh, arguably unpleasant home lives, mm -hmm. they, they, they do kind of have that bit of teenage rebellion, preteen rebellion, yeah. where they don't have a lot of patience for their dad's hobbies they don't have a lot of understanding for anything that's not immediately relevant to their own interests they see everything through their own personal very young very naive narrow lens yes like john just turned 13 yeah. he is a child little, these are children little baby man they're little baby man uh they're about to become teenagers arguably everyone's worst phase mm -hmm. I was not, I was a shitty little kid oh, as a teenager. I was, 
I was on the razor's edge of becoming a fedora fuck. So. Oh no. Yeah, no, it was who, who I'm glad I made some good friends who saw the fedora approaching, appearing on my head, and slapped it off and said, "No, stop that." <laughs> Looking back, when I realized, I was like, oh my god, I was so close to being that guy. I was so close to being a m'lady. And now you're just a m'lady. I'm a m'lady. <laughs> m'lady? M'lady. Dave and Rose definitely put on airs and this, like, front of being someone, when in reality, they are not at all like that. Whereas uh, Jade and John are a bit more honest and the way they present themselves. Kind of an interesting correlation that we can draw there is, uh, since you brought up their home lives earlier, um, how how many people I've known who have come from less than pleasant home situations, living situations, mm-hmm. have, they put forth errors when they're around their friends. They try not to telegraph that anything's wrong. They usually try to keep those things hidden. Mm-hmm. Whereas people from more stable, more nurturing homes tend not to. Yeah, they don't have anything. They're not they don't have to hide anything. Uh John's dad with his ridiculous double life mm-hmm. of serious business but also just a complete prankster who collects Harlequin figurines. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely like I love it because From the panels alone, without having any conversation with his dad, we've inferred, like, so much, and there's already so much depth to him. I would have liked to see the dad pull more Prankster's Gambit stuff Mm -hmm. in our time with him, especially at the beginning here, even though we are largely spending it avoiding him because he's in his fugue state of baking insanity. He is an adorable little nerd. fucking love John. John is great. He he is our de facto main character. Like our kids, all four of them in both timelines, share a significant portion of the spotlight with each other. But at the end of the day, John is the protagonist of Homestuck. If you had to point to one character and say, "This is Homestuck's main character," mm-hmm. it's John. Yeah, it's John. It's all coming up, John. He he like not to get too much into the weeds of what happens beyond our first two acts, but A, he is the first character we're introduced to and gives our primary lens for the world. The title screen drops in his introductory chapter with him looking up at the sun. Mm-hmm. But additionally, if we're gonna talk a little further down, allude a little further down the timeline, he does have some of the most significant roles to play both in the metatextual narrative and within the narrative of the worlds he's presented to. Mm-hmm. And like he's he's the only one who finishes his world quest. Is he? Yeah. Oh, wow. He's the only one that uh, does the full completion arc of his world quest. Rose never plays the rain. Arguably, you could say uh, Dave and Jade 
complete their world quests by creating the new universe. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot about like their aspect of how the world's supposed to help them grow and evolve into adulthood that they don't do. John's the one that gets the Jorgen and fixes his world's issue. Yes. Which, oh, I love that song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. And that just sort of plays into the idea of how much he is the main narrative character. Like, the narrative follows John's progress. Until John progresses, nothing else really progresses. Right. That's a really good point. I'm so excited to, like, read Homestrike again. <laughs> it's been a treat so far, even just with these first two acts. It's been so long since I've revisited the series. I hyped it up, and I hope a lot of people are excited about it. I just want people to talk about Homestrike again. It's 2023. Go read Homestuck. If you haven't done it yet, do it. You're probably you're probably not listening to this podcast. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that's the other thing I really like about Homestuck is the characters are like very unique in the sense of not only their like typing quirks and like the colors, but you can like their speech patterns. They have speech patterns. Yes. So even if you have They're very identifiable, yeah, uh, they all have their own thing going on. But I just fucking love <laughs> John being like a stupid little shit with his pranks and like wanting to be really good at magic and wanting to be really good at coding isn't quite getting the hang of it. I mean, who's really good at anything at 13? I don't remember what I was doing at 13. I mean, you could you could be good at something for a 13-year-old and I'm just, and you know there's the the savants and the people who start incredibly young and go really deep really hard where that's almost their entire life. I've known those kids. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to be a professional of anything at 13. The only reason Rose and Jade have as much skill as they do with their respective instruments, is what one Jade was on an island and has nothing better to do than to practice playing bass. Mm-hmm. Rose is just a perfectionist and has nothing better to do. <laughs> has a lot of things better to do, but like I like seeing. I feel like Rose would hold herself up to such a high standard that she would have to like make herself be good at violin yeah rose is such an interesting character now if we're going to start talking a little bit about her das lalade rose lalande she is a cool girl i acknowledge that alcoholism is a problem don't give alcohol to kids yeah like that is a problem uh but looking at it from you know before you know all that I love her misinterpreting, like, her clash with her mom is really funny on a certain level. Because I can also see that her mom's, like, way of doing stuff is also, like, really, her mom's very ironic in the same way that bro likes to play around with irony. I can definitely see now, especially now, that her grievances with her mom, like, going over the top, like, uh, for example, like, casting the vacuum in bronze, 
I just feel her mom finds hilarious and it drives Rose up the wall so badly. Mm -hmm. And the same way that Rose wanted a funeral for Jasper's, and so her mom built a mausoleum, which I can definitely see being interpreted as, like, this was her first pet, it's very important, we should have something, like, very extravagant to, to like, memorialize him. But also, Mom Lalonde is a very extravagant person. Very yes. over the top. Very, very extra, yes. And it it just rubs Rose the wrong way. Which is why she tries everything she can to rebel, and her mom just plays along with it. She has this air of extreme perfectionism. Mm -hmm. But you see her room, and it's super sloppy. Yeah. It's not well kept. It looks like a kid's room still. And it's that, that duality of, like, how adult and how put on and how she presents herself to her friends mm -hmm. versus how she's living in her private space. Oh, most definitely. Rose is an excellent female character. Yeah, so yeah. And Rose was like super excited about Esper coming out. Rose and John were like the two people, and John wasn't as thrilled. It definitely is implied that Rose was like yeah. the most excited about Esper coming out. Yeah. Rose being a gothy, angry teenager who like interprets any kind of present because she's usually getting it from her mom as this, like, convoluted, like, layered in irony and, like, metaphors. So when John is like, you need a hobby, like a normal hobby, and gifts her a knitting set, she initially starts to knit him something as kind of, like, almost a revenge thing, but it turns out to really enjoy it. Like, he gave her the knitting set, or, like, whatever her knitting thing is for her birthday, for her baby's birthday, which was in December. So, like, five months later on his birthday, she genuinely enjoys knitting. And I fucking love that, that she took this, accepted this present that she thought was going to be, like, another, like, one-upsmanship or something, like she's used to giving with her mom, and is like, mm. oh, this turned out better than expected. I feel like it's a bit of a reoccurring theme, with her character and her interactions with the world, she looks at things very cynically, mm -hmm. always kind of assuming the worst in a lot of cases, or taking something and twisting it to be what the darkest possible underlying meaning could be. Mm -hmm. Where I personally read a lot of the mom's actions as, well, if she wants this, if I do ten times that, she'll love it. It's over-enthusiastic. Just going to the wall like you bronze you bronze your baby's booties because you want to remember that memory forever her daughter presented her with a gift and she loved it so much she bronzed, <laughs> she bronzed it. it and because she's fucking mom lalonde she still had it, the ability to be turned on exactly now could there be a uh, aspect of almost bro like not necessarily maliciousness but just not negligence 100 percent good faith oh like a ult ulterior motive yeah behind some of those things sure that is totally a valid interpretation and i can totally see that but my initial reading of it was more along the lines of this woman's just balls to the wall <laughs> yeah it's like rose wants to go swimming or like she like mentions 
enjoying going swimming. Uh, this yeah. doesn't actually happen, like, as an example. And so her mom just builds an entire fucking, like, Olympic-sized swimming pool. With, like, a working wave machine. Yeah, completely, completely unnecessary Mom Lalonde. But that's just the kind of person she is. She's very extra. Yeah. No, exactly, exactly. And Rose, in her own way, is also very extra. She uses incredibly complex language when writing her walkthrough for Esperb. Oh, yeah. She talks about how she's not going to waste your time, but she has a <laughs> multi-paragraph long preamble about how she's not going to waste time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the end of the world. Let me write out my last novel. Yeah, but it's in in that way she is herself very extra, um, and I think part of her sees it as a response. At least whenever she's dealing directly with her mother or her friends, mm-hmm. it's that res- that knee jerk reaction response of I've read this in the worst possible way, mm-hmm. so I am going to u- I'm going to turn that energy back on them because that's the only appropriate way to deal with that energy. Right. Yeah. But oftentimes, especially when she's dealing with her friends directly, she eventually comes to see the genuineness of those interactions, of those gifts. Oh, yeah, especially with John. John is just so, like, shallow as a kiddie pool. Deep as a kiddie pool? Yeah. Everything, and it's so funny, because when uh, he's over at the computer, and he's, like, talking to her, because, you know, Rose was the one that got him... I don't know if she like signed him up for the suburb beta, beta. Yeah, she seemed that she was the, she was the most excited. Yeah, she was fucking ready. She's like, "Let's go, fucking this burb," and I really want to play with my friend. Yeah, and like super excited, which is, I love that. Whoa, an a goth girl and a gamer, Aruga, Aruga, um. But super excited for it, like, definitely convinced John to sign up for the beta, if not, like, signed him up for the beta. Um, Yeah. Dave had one because his bro got him one, and Dave wanted nothing to do with the beta. Dave is also really interesting. Yeah, that's that's a good transition to us talking about the third character introduced, Dave, who is indeed... Very interesting. Dave likes Waterburger. That he do. That he do. That he do. If Dave didn't like apple juice, he would drink Dr. Pepper. Also true. But honestly, I think Dave doesn't need more sugar. Yes, he does. The lad the lad can already flash step. I don't think we need to get him hopped up on sugar and caffeine. It would just be that one episode of Futurama where Fry drinks 100 cups of coffee. I mean, he does... It, get the power to manipulate time <laughs> in a similar manner. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> time players are just hyped up on caffeine and sugar. Rereading it, Dave is very, very deflective of a lot of things, which completely understandable for his environment. Yeah. Growing up in a, a parallel upbringing, see, growing up with that sort of stuff is just normal. Yeah. Because you don't know anything else. But it was also interesting that he looks outside. He acknowledges that it's way hotter than it should be. You see meteors falling in the distance, destroying the city around him. 
And he is just completely ignoring it. He doesn't want to play this weird game that his bro has probably been, like, egging him to play. Yeah. And, like, trying to get it hyped up for him. Yeah, yeah. He tells John and Rose, like, when they bring it up to him, and it's like, no, I'm not playing that game, it's dumb. Dave is the walking embodiment of the reluctant hero. Yeah, that's an excellent trope to pin to Dave's uh, shirt. Yeah. It is It is very much a big part of his arc, which ties in well with how we're introduced to him being very ironic, very insincere, treating everything like it exists beyond arm's reach, mm-hmm. and having this cool kid persona of, uh, yeah, I'm the cool aloof kid who really doesn't care about anything, but I just know it's cool. He's artistic. Yeah. He's very artistic. You gotta have really good talent to make something shitty like that. Oh, yeah. Consistently shitty, no less. Yeah. He's funny because his friends fucking meme and, like, joke about his comics. Yeah. Constantly. Uh, There's an allusion to him having a following online, which, as someone who knew several people who very much enjoyed Street Bro and Hella Jeff and never read Homestuck, yeah. yeah. That checks out. Also, just let's 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 just go ahead and give Hussey a hand for deciding. I'm not going to make one web comic. I'm going to make two web comics. I'm going to make a web comic <laughs> inside of a web time. comic. Yeah. Thank you, Hussey. And it's also kind of funny how Dave told Rose that the only way he would play S. Burb is if her life depended on it. And then oh, yes, what? Well, in the moment that she tells him, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. Which could speak to his role as a knight later on. Yeah, very much so. The in-game role of protecting and defending his friends. Yeah. But could also be construed or interpreted as, I'm too cool to play this game, but until his friends, like, hound him for it continuously. Yeah. Because, like, if your friend tells you, oh, you have to play this game now, my life is dependent on it, like, and you said you would. Yeah. You'd be like, yeah, we're okay. Like, you really want me to play this game? I love that for him. I love the relationship the beta kids all have with each other, because it's literally just kids. Like, if if Roblox was prevalent, it would just be some weird Roblox thing that they would be playing. I mean, if you think about it, Roblox is kind of like a Esperb, sort of. I know nothing about Roblox. There's a lot of user-generated content within Roblox. Mm. It's kind of like Minecraft meets Second Life. Interesting. Where people can make their whole, like, zones and content and mods and Mm add-ons. So, in a sense, that is a little Esperby, where you have this very intense control of the environment once the game begins. Mm Mm-hmm. Your ability to shape and mold the world as you see fit, as you require, as you wish. Mm-hmm. In a weird way, that's kind of Robloxy. <laughs> okay, that's fair. The Wayward Vagabond. Uh, also, shout out to <laughs> Homestuck being the source of the You Boy, I Am <laughs> the PlayStation 5. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Uh, with the introduction of 
of WV or the Wayward Vagabond. Wayward Vagabond. The Wayward Vagabond asks all blah blah blah. The Wayward Vagabond also acts as an interesting stand-in for the forum suggesters that were helped guiding the comic. Although I did I did read the commentary said at the time they were still taking suggestions from the forum. Not as much, oh, yeah. but they were still doing it. Yeah, it, it, it happened longer than I think a lot of people think in retrospect, but not as long as you could probably guess. Right. Uh, I don't know when but, they uh, stopped, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was my immediate thought when we got to that part of the story was... That was my immediate thought when we got to that part of the story, was that the Wayward Vagabond was a stand-in, a reference, a shout-out to all the content sharers and suggestions mm-hmm. that had been helped shaping the comic into what it was, and get, get got that snowball rolling down the hill into the avalanche of Homestuck, and then how that eventually comes full circle, uh, the hints at where the Wayward Vagabond is left in plain sight about how this is in the future but not so far as you think alluding to how the world gets destroyed by the meteors and the general time fuckery that happens as the comic progresses take a guess at how many years in the future it is oh gosh hmm is it 413 years it's definitely 413 years in the future who would have thought? Who would have guessed? Uh, do you know how long ago it was when they were showing Jade's Island in that animation? <sighs> hmm. When the pterodactyl flew over? Gosh. Hmm. I really couldn't guess. I have no idea. I have, I have no possible point of reference to pull from. No, no sequence of numbers that have been reoccurring significantly at regular intervals in this comic. This is beyond my ability to use glean. Use your air of mind powers and guess. Hmm. Would it be 413 million years in the past? That's exactly how long. <laughs> Confirmed. Well, get me to my quest bed. My powers are developing. <laughs> God, I love that. Um, fun fact, the drawings that the Wayward Vagabond does in Cantown and the fields west of Cantown uh, represent Skya yeah. and then the kids' planets, respectively, yeah. including tearing off the gear cog from the jug of oil and using it for Dave's. Yeah. Also drawing Durst and Prospect, which I cannot wait to get to. Those are really fun. They are fun. They, they play such an interesting role in the cosmology and the mechanics of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of the fantasy AUs that involve like the Durst and Prospect kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Some people get really fucking creative with that shit and I absolutely love it. Yeah, Homestuck is just a potpourri of inspiration that allows for so much creative expression. Mm-hmm. And it it's a lot to take in, but it is. It's worth it.
Howdy, Homestucks. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the first episode of our Positively Homestuck podcast. We're learning as we go and appreciate your patience during this rough start. Hey, just remember to be kind. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I mean, just think about what you like about Homestuck. Just remember, you're valid. We're all valid. Picturing that bit from Aladdin. You idiots, we're all ah! valid. I feel like we need to break up the conversation into, like, different parts. And I think that's what I'm going to have a hard time doing. Yeah, there's going to be a... a, a we, we can try and keep ourselves on track, but... That's why I want to do, like, kind of like a, a milestone script. So, like, what I sent you earlier... And then yeah, we yeah. write out, like, definitely stuff we want to cover. That's going to be so difficult, though, because once we start battling, no, you're, you're going to have to accept, you're going to have to accept, TK, that no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Why, why do you have shitty plans? Just like no, just like no ass survives first contact with an enemy. <laughs> Stop using Extreme Edition Enema. 